This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. One young black entrepreneur has some big plans. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and from WBEZ Chicago, this is Reset. Here on the show, we often cover local innovators and entrepreneurs, but none quite like this. Adib Borden is the founder and executive director of Black Youth Leadership 21, an organization dedicated to developing the next generation of CEOs of color. In just the past two months, Adib has co-hosted a panel discussion with President Barack Obama, volunteered with Champs Male Mentoring, and has gotten approved to develop a charter school in Columbia, South Carolina. But wait until you hear this part. Adib is only 16. As we wrap up this month's series on Black mental health, we're going to hear from him on how he balances an impressive list of extracurriculars with school, SATs, and everything else that teenage life entails. Adi Borden joins us now. Welcome to Reset. Well, I'm so glad to be here, and I'm so glad for you to have me on your show. Yeah. Well, I first want to check with you, Adiba. Is this a good time? I mean, don't you have yeah. class? Yes. This is this is a great time. Um, I actually um, was getting ready for midterms for the rest of the week, and so um, my principal said, "Hey, Adi, take this call real quick and." Um, just I know that you have to get back back to midterms. Of course, back to business. So, you know, my kids are around your age, Adib. So I know firsthand how hard it can be right now, especially for teens to be juggling school and homework mm-hmm. and friends and sports and just everything else that's going on. How do you balance it all? Um, you know, interesting thing is I have a strong support system at home. Um, I have an incredible parent um, who keeps me grounded, um, who keeps me on a very strict schedule um, most times. Um, but the, the, how I keep um, all this together is knowing that I'm a student first and then extracurricular activities come next. And so if I have strong academics, then I know that I can do the extracurricular activities um, that I have a desire to want to do. Managing school, you know, that's that's hard for any high schooler, but what inspired you to take on the other projects, Adib? Um, I think the knowing that so many young people are dying in this generation. Um, I graduated eighth grade in 2021, and about two people from my graduating class has been killed since we've graduated. Um, and so it is knowing that tomorrow is not promised for anybody. And so being able to have the gifts and resources to do this now um, is just even a bigger reason um, to um, develop my dreams now um, and not wait until I'm old enough um, to do it. Tell us more about the mission of your organization. 
So our mission as CEOs of color is to develop, educate, and support the next generation of CEOs of color. The interesting thing about is as I entered um, entrepreneurship just three years ago, there was very few people who looked like me um, and in my age. And sometimes it can be lonely being the only CEO um, at 14 at that time, um, not being able to speak with other colleagues. And so I said, instead of being lonely all the time, create a program that can help build other entrepreneurs. And so when we talk about post-secondary success in education, one thing that we don't mention a lot is entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurship is one of the biggest growing um, industries that is growing in our generation right now. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is how do we get more black people and Latino X people um, in that industry um, to see the generational wealth um, in America um, kind of increase over time. So there's a lot going on here, and you're 16, Adib. This yes. is all commendable. But I am curious, how much do you think about your mental health? Uh, I think about my mental health almost every day. Um, and here's why. It's because we live in a world where mental health is so essential um, in order for us to do our jobs now. Um, I am a person who has left education for as long as I can remember. And one of the biggest things that I was a very voice behind is social-emotional learning and education. I'm ensuring that people are humans first, then employees, or then students. Um, and so me being a student, also an employer, and in some organization employees, uh, my emotion and well-being is very essential for me to execute the job appropriately mm-hmm. um, and to give my best work. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that it's it's uh, the conversation about mental health is so at the forefront for you. I wonder if it's something that you and your peers discuss a lot, because I'm thinking back to my time as a teenager. This was not something we discussed at all, not even a little bit. It was only later in life that I actually started to take my own mental health seriously. So what did the conversations look like among your friends? Um, it looks more of the thing of my mom says this, and so this is how I feel. And so the conversation is really talking about how we feel in the moment um, and how we dream to feel um, in the future. And so it's typically a conversation that goes from the present feeling to how we want to feel. And then it goes back to that reflection moment of saying, hey, this is what I can do moving forward to not feel this way. And so it's always that time of processing our emotions or um, understanding um, how we're feeling in that moment. Um, and so the conversation is typically kind of, I'm mad. This is why I'm mad. Does this make sense why I'm mad? So then what, is, really, what would you say self-care looks like for you? Self-care for me, I love music. Um, and so I do small things um, to take care of myself, such as listening to music every morning, listening to a podcast by Eric Thomas every morning, uh, ensuring that I don't work at home. And so everything that is done from my business hours of 8 um, to 3 o'clock mm-hmm. is done at work at, at school. I don't ever take anything home because I believe that home is a place where I rest uh, and I recalibrate. Um, and so that's kind of my self-care routine. Yeah, and so it sounds like even with your demanding schedule, you do – find time to just relax, right, and do yes. nothing. And that sounds like it's when you get home. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I do do chores and take up the trash and things like that, but that is a requirement <laughs> for home. Good, good. Uh, but other than that, um, I really take the moment to just relax. Um, and the reason why that is is because at 16, running a nonprofit, you can easily be burned out at such a young age. And I want to make sure that my sincerity 
that I'm able to continue to work and continue to lead a team of incredible experts that continue to make a life-changing impact in the city of Chicago, but also change the trajectory of youth um, that are here in the city of Chicago as well. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're speaking with Adi Borden. He is 16. He's a high school sophomore, but he's also an entrepreneur. His organization, Black Youth Leadership 21, also known as CEOs of Color, it's all about using education to empower the next generation of leaders in Chicago. And as we wrap up our Black Mental Health series, we're talking with Adib about where mental health and self-care fit into his very busy schedule. So, uh, Adib, for some students, I know that one of the most stressful parts of high school is that college application process. Have you gotten there yet? Um, So, as a sophomore, no, I have not got there. Um, But the incredible thing is that my mother who is very college-bound, has always exposed me um, to college opportunities. And so I, my mom makes a joke that she says, I'm the, most, I'm the only kid that she knows that knows the most colleges um, in the world. <laughs> wow. um, and so I think for college applications, doesn't start until my junior year, which will be next year, actually. Um, but I am on that track of getting ready for colleges. Um, and I have started looking at colleges, potential colleges that I would like to attend um, in 2025. That's amazing. Well, you recently appeared on stage alongside President Obama, which is oh, pretty yeah. incredible. But my producer tells me that you were actually more nervous about taking the SAT than you were about being next to Obama. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. What gives you that confidence when you're standing next to, you know, our, our first black president? Um, it gives me the confidence to know that that morning I told Barack Obama that I would be the president of the United States someday. Um, and one thing that my mother instilled in me is that everyone is important, that no one is bigger than anyone else in this world. And so with that mindset, I was grounded in knowing um, that it's okay that Barack is was the president, but he's also a human. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a person who is not scared of social. I don't have social fear. Because I walk in every room showing that I am, an, I am enough and more than enough. Um, I'm also very spiritual, so very grounded in um, my faith and religion. Um, and so I know that God was with me and that nothing is bigger than him and um, that I fear no evil. And so I think that was the confidence that gave me to sit on the stage with President Obama. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to hear more about your meeting with him. And you were helping him moderate a panel discussion. What was that about? So I actually sat on a panel with Anaya Hill, an incredible um, young lady from North, um, North Lauderdale College Prep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Io from the Chicago Bulls, Don C., and then President Obama. Um, we talked about um, youth experience youth expression in the city of Chicago. We talked about the injustice um, that is happening amongst youth and the resources that youth need. And so our conversation is talking about how Black Youth Leadership 21, a.k.a. CEOs of Color, is conquering, conquering that uh, stereotype uh, that Black people um, are not successful. And so we're telling them, no, we have over 15 young people who've gone through our program who are now CEOs of their own nonprofit, their own LLCs, their own... LTDs, 
um, their own sole proprietorships. And so that was our conversation with the president, talking about what our company has done um, to conquer that thing of injustice and lack of resources um, for underserved communities around Chicago. Well, to that end, you, you discussed resources for youth in that conversation. Where does mental health fit into all of that? Uh, I'm so glad that you asked that question. So as you guys know that um, President Obama is building the Obama Library um, Center. Um, and in that Obama uh, Library Center are going to be a lot of mental health resources for young people, for adults, for seniors, um, to provide them the outlet um, to express themselves. I know for me and my company, we've partnered with um, some local um, youth advisories, um, which are um, therapists, to provide one hour of free services for our young people as they go through our program. Um, and what Black Youth Leadership 21 does is we provide a holistic approach to entrepreneurship. What does that mean? We ensure that we're not only taking care of the academic part of the child, but the social emotional learning aspect of the child. And so we always have mental health um, experts on the team ready um, to speak to our young people, um, to um, butt in whenever necessary, so we can ensure that our students are in the right mental state, so now they can lead um, and build their um, empire. You know, you've said in the past that role models are incredibly important for young men and women, especially ones who want to succeed, right? Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, what kind of impact can a great role model or a mentor have on a young person's career trajectory and just their overall well-being? Wow. Um, First thing I would say, your presence will inspire them, but your legacy will lead them. Um, That is a quote that I published two years ago um, because I had one of the world's greatest mentors, um, Vondale Singleton, who was the founder and CEO of Transnail Mentoring. Mm-hmm. I'm a guy that believed in me um, when I believed no one else did, um, saw something in me that no one else saw. Um, mentorship is so key to changing the trajectory of the lives of young people, and especially young people of color. Um, having someone who cares about you, um, someone who you think loves you, someone who you think has your best interest at heart, is very key to the success of a person. Yeah. And let's talk about mentorship. What does mentorship look like? It's the ability to be able to lead someone and to be able to follow someone. That is how I define mentorship to be. And mentorship is someone who presence has inspired you to do something, but has also left a legacy of great service, um, of great love, of great um, hope and joy. Um, and have left that legacy of saying you can be something if you want to be it. Um, And so that is what mentorship means deeply to me. And I've had incredible mentors, but one of my best mentors um, was Vondale Singleton, Mm -hmm. founder and CEO of Transmittal Mentoring. You know, just listening to you, I imagine that you, as a youth leader, you're serving maybe informally as a role model or or a mentor for some of your peers. Um. Interesting thing is, um, I'm at school now, and um, my advisor, Rashad Jefferson, um, he tells me that all the time, he's like, Adiz, kids look up to you. I'm like, do they really? And then he's like, <laughs> they do, they do, they do. And the interesting thing is, my advisor, um, he was actually my colleague before he was my teacher. And so we worked for the same nonprofit where I served as the executive consultant and director of programming. I mean, we worked together over the summer, then I became a student at his school, and then he became my teacher. And he's like, Adib, you inspired me. 
And I know the impact that you have on youth around the school. And truth be told, I don't acknowledge that I have impact on the youth around the school. I just feel like I'm a deep. Yeah. And that's it. But I realized that I probably do have a bigger impact on them than I want to admit myself. Yeah. Um, People are watching, so, Adib. People are watching, and you're, you're, doing, watching. you're doing a fantastic job. Um, you know, I, I wonder what's on the horizon for you and, and for CEOs of color in, in 2023. Um, so I'm so glad that you asked. And so, as you know, I'm on this journey of working with my organization um, to build a charter school that is dedicated to leadership preparatory and entrepreneurial preparatory. Our goal is to work with um, young people um, and underserved and privileged communities in Columbia, South Carolina, um, to help them gain economic wealth, but also academic wealth, so they can also succeed and be competitive beyond high school. Um, CEO of Color in 2023, we're looking to expand our program. We're looking to welcome more entrepreneurs, more people who want to be entrepreneurs. Uh, one of the biggest things that we're also working towards is expanding this to adults. We believe in order to grow our generation of wealth is that it has to start with the kids and then go to our parents. And so we're going to open a parent program where we're going to allow our parents to start their journey in entrepreneurship. Um, but first we have to start with the foundation, and I think that's what our young people, um, and then start with our adults. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. We have been talking with 16-year-old Chicago youth leader Adib Borden about his various pursuits and just how he prioritizes self-care. Adib, thank you so much. Best of luck to you. This was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. We're continuing our discussion on Black mental health. But now let's flip to the other side of the couch to talk about what it's like for a Black person to enter the mental health field. Would it surprise you to hear that only 4% of the U.S. psychology workforce, including therapists, is Black? It's true, in spite of the fact that many Black patients seeking therapists specifically want someone who looked like them. It's true, in spite of the fact that many Black patients seeking therapists specifically want someone who looks like them. So what's preventing more aspiring Black mental health professionals from entering the field? Here with us now is Tasha Jackson, mental health counselor at Cultivate Your Essence. Tasha, tell us what drew you to a career in mental health. Um, Well, I chose this field because um, I wanted to be able to serve a population um, in need of mental health awareness um, and also to promote mental um, and emotional health in the process as well um, is definitely needed within our community. So I wanted to be able to serve and pour back out into the black community. Anything in particular that drew you to the agency that you're with? Well, I actually um, start networking with people. And so as I was entering into my internship, I actually used my social platform to network with a couple of young ladies. And so um, I ran across a profile, um, and her name was Danielle. Okay. And so I reached out to her and um, told her that I was entering into um, my internship and I needed a place to do it, do my internship at. And she actually referred me to where she's at. Oh, that's wonderful. And so I've been with them up until graduation, then got hired on. Then got hired on as a, as a counselor. That's, that's amazing. So you've been in this position now for how long? It's been about a year and a half now. So you're, I mean, you're pretty new to, to this field and you started at a very difficult time. Absolutely. When COVID hit. When COVID hit. Yeah. Was that added pressure, you think? 
I believe so. Um, but it was quite a learning experience. How so? What have you witnessed so um, far? Because of uh, the growing demand of mental health, right, in our community, um, I think more so when COVID hit, um, people was isolated, right? So a lot of people um, didn't know how to sit with themselves. Um, and so when they sat with themselves, they start, you know, figuring out, like, historical trauma that presented, Um other issues in their mental health presented, mm-hmm. and so it was very difficult for them. That is that is most definitely a challenge, and something that is is hard for people is to sit still, right? Just the first part that you talked about Absolutely. is kind of slowing down, and I think COVID kind of forced us all to do so. Give us an example of what your day to day looks like as a mental health counselor. Um, well, it's I mean, quite it's amazing. just client to client to client, client to client to client, and um, the. The population that I deal with is black um, black women um, who are dealing with either relationship issues or um, their own personal trauma, um, trying to process through that, um, and other things in life, um, trying to balance life overall. And so um, that's primarily what I do. Um, and then the services that I do offer is like psychotherapy, assessment, diagnosis, um, and yeah. so forth. All the things, yeah, that are so needed right now. Yes. Do you, Tasha, do you see people, many people who look like you in Absolutely. this field? Absolutely. Um, predominantly, that's all that um, I see is, you know, black women. That's, but in the, working in the field like you, are there a lot of black women? It's not. Giving it's not um, enough of us, but... Um, it, we're, it's more of us starting to come in, and that's the good thing about it. So before you you jumped into this field, I mean, were you aware of the disparities of uh, for communities of color specifically? Absolutely, and that's what led me to pursue this career. Um, as we are aware, um, it's not enough resources within our community, um, and we lack um, that support. Um, just think about when growing up, right? Um, we all was raised off a community. Yeah. Um, the neighbors was um, there to discipline, disciplinary the kids well, that yeah. was in the community. A lot more time spent um, outside playing yes. and everybody knew everybody. Jumping rope, the guys playing uh, football in the middle of the street. So um, I think the kids missing out on a lot of that now. Um, they're all into their tech. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You can't get them off. Um, so, of course, without, you know, giving uh, names or identifying anyone, I'm wondering if you're seeing sort of a, a recurring theme or any issues uh, that are recurring that are popping up in, in some of your sessions as you talk to these women. Like, is there a general consensus of, of certain issues that they're dealing with at this time? Um, primarily what continues to pop up for me um, is social anxiety. Social anxiety. Mm. Yes. Um, and also um, relationship issues, going through a divorce, um, raising kids on their own. Um, some of these are like the top things that I often hear. Yeah, divorce was, was peak during, uh, during COVID, yes. for sure. How often does uh, the issue of race come up with your, your colleagues or even you know, with your clients? Uh, well, race pops up quite a bit, especially um, within this industry that I'm working in, um, because racial bullying does occur. Tell me more. Um, I'll just go back to 
um, obtaining my degree. Yeah. Um, and while I was in school. And so I was like, I was the only black therapist. In well, black class? student, shall I say. In your class? In my class. Um, and they often challenged me quite a bit. <laughs> and so with that being said, it made schooling quite difficult. However, I proceeded, kept my head held high, continued to uh, present mm-hmm. each and every time. Um, and when you say they challenged you, like, I mean, were you, I picture you presenting certain issues and them saying, are you sure? Absolutely. Is that really a problem, Tasha? Absolutely. Especially when it came to um, speaking up about the black community. Um, they was just like, is this surreal? You know? Um, and so I think that that was the biggest piece just to try to identify with my own community challenges um, and present in overall in this group of um, students that also had a hard time identifying with me. And I'm watching you as you're recalling all of this and I can see you getting, you know, it's like it's getting to you again. Absolutely. It's frustrating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shifting to to gender a bit, what new dimensions do you think you've learned when it comes to seeing women versus seeing men as far as clients? Um, Well, I pretty much haven't worked with male clients. Um, Right. And so it's it's a major difference. However, I feel as though um, mental health challenges for men is definitely needed. Um, They try to, you know, wing away from the mental health field versus women show up. They spend time with their self. They, you know, analyze and things that they need um, for their self-care. And and a lot of women that shows up in counseling say, hey, you know, I'm seeking a therapist now because I try to do all these tools and work on all these things within myself. And it was challenging. It, Mm -hmm. It got to a point where it was uncontrollable uncontrollable and so they reached out for assistance and so versus a man they're not going to reach out when needed this is reset i'm sasha ann simons if you're just tuning in we're speaking about the realities of pursuing a career in mental health as a black counselor our guest is tasha jackson of cultivate your essence so sticking with that you know for a moment something interesting we've been running this black mental health series on the show for about the past four weeks okay and we have struggled to get men on the program, you know, in, in various ways, we tried to, you know, incorporate men in the different discussions that we were having each week. But we were we've struggled to get uh, them on to open up uh, about their uh, their experiences, which is, you know, disappointing because I would love to, to amplify that voice. Like this is a huge Absolutely. megaphone. Right. Um, just even thinking of the future of your career when you do, you know, expand to uh, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um offering services to black men. What do you Absolutely. think what do you think might work to get them Pull to participate in. <laughs> in these conversations? I think um more so seeing men like themselves um in this field. Um predominantly um it's more black women therapists versus men therapists and I I think more so just seeing more of people like themselves so more men getting in. into the field more Absolutely. you know men uh, you know black men psychologists so forth uh, therapists that sort of motivates them to open up absolutely or, or at least we can hope right 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 what do you think you know now about working in the mental health field i mean you're a year in but what what what's apparent to you in this year now that 
maybe you hadn't realized before taking this job? Um, again, what like I said, um, I knew that it was needed in the black community, but I didn't know to what extent. Ah, okay. Um, and so being in this role have exposed me to a lot. Um, and it just goes back to how we lack the resources within our community. How are you establishing your own work-life balance? How are you taking care of you, Tasha? Well, first of all, proper rest is definitely needed. Um, I spend as much time with family as possible um, and just indulging in things that I enjoy doing. Rest. What is that? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, are you are you scheduling that? I, I even with, I'll try to go to bed, mm-hmm. you know, at a decent hour, mm-hmm. and I'll still, you know, wake up like three four hours later, <laughs> and then I can't go back. So we got to look at that sleep routine. We, we've of course, we got to talk about that. <laughs> Not us walking into my own therapy session here on Reset, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, has burnout affected your field? Have you seen that? Um, have you been hearing that maybe from some of your colleagues that have been doing Quite this for a, a while? Quite a bit. Um, what are they saying? It's, it's the emotional drain because um, we're taking in so much from our clients, right? Um, so we could get emotionally fatigued at times. Um, and so that's what I have analyzed quite a bit within my field and from my colleagues as well. Have you heard of people just leaving the industry? Um, I have heard of it, but not very much. Not a lot. Are you planning to stay in the field, you think? Oh, yes, this is my passion. And I feel like um, as I entered this field, I felt like that I landed my purpose. Yeah. It's rewarding. It must be um, to hear from your clients, you know, that you've helped them. You've helped them think through something differently. You've helped them navigate something that they were stuck on. Yes. What's that feeling for you? Oh, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming just to, you know, get feedback from my clients to let me know, hey, everything that you provided me with, the tools, the interventions that you provided provided me with is working. Um, And just to hear the words, I thank you. Yeah. Is, is overwhelming. So what advice then do you have, Tasha, for, for black people maybe listening to us right now and, and they're doing what you were doing a little over a year ago. They're working towards a career in mental health. What do you say? I would just say follow your passion. Um, as, as we are aware, black therapists is needed within this industry. Um, and if you have the thrive and the push to um, help your community thrive, then this is the field to land in. We'll leave it there. That's Tasha Jackson, mental health counselor at Cultivate Your Essence. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. Catch up on other conversations from our Black Mental Health series by subscribing to our podcast. And when you do, tell a friend and spread the love. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. 
Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.